0: Total, total treat to be here, and um, already I've met some people where we have quite a few connections back in Plum Coulee, where I'm from. So it's just exciting. Always to join, uh, you know, another church family and just worship the King is just it's just such a privilege, and it's fun to be here with my family. We have um, I have my cousin and his family lives just outside of Crystal City, so we thought yesterday we would go there, hang out for a bit, and we had a fun time tubing and stuff like that. That was a first for our kids outside, and so then it was just a hop, skip, and a jump, and here we are in Killarney. So that's, so that's kind of neat. Um, as Danny said, we, we all kind of met in Bethany. I guess our wives would have known each other growing up in southern Alberta. But for myself, then, that puts us back in 2003. I left after high school graduation, and I thought I would go to Bible college for a year, and um, sure enough, I, we ended up living there for almost 13 years Um, in and around Hepburn and Saskatoon. Um, The funny thing is, back in 2010, we were visiting family here. Uh, This is when I was involved in prison ministry, and um, oh, I was also working with um, victims as well, like with the Saskatoon police, uh, part of MCC. And during that time, when we were leaving Plum Coulee, I just felt this, it was one of those moments where God spoke Pretty clearly, and it was like you—you you will return here, or you, you are going to come back here to Plum Coulee. And I was kind of shocked because Ali was from Alberta. We felt sort of called to Saskatoon, and so then it became this—you know—year after year, we were just sort of anticipating God. What's in What's in Manitoba? And um, there was almost this homesickness growing in the sense of for the purposes of God. God, there's something in in Manitoba. And, all that kind of thing and so lo and behold in 2016 it was we had our fourth was just born at about that time and I felt a change was coming and um, somebody called to shoulder tap me about the hospital chaplaincy position at Boundary Trails and I kind of thought well that's that's interesting maybe that's God signaling Manitoba's coming soon but a hospital I mean like there's germs there and like people die there and stuff like that's not that was always my dad's world he he loved being with families right at the end of life and that kind of thing and I always thought like solitary confinement in jail that's where I fit in you know kind of thing uh by myself and you know that sort of thing or one other person right but but a hospital so so God has a sense of humor I shared this with Allie and she's like I think we should really think about this and so we thought and prayed and about three days later I sort of said well God if this is it like pull it off sell the house. All these kind of things line up, right? And so we ended up moving right when they were doing interviewing and that sort of thing. And that's almost three years ago now. Um, but it's such a such a privilege to just witness what God is doing each day, and then to respond to it, right? We always want to we always want to hear what people are saying. We want to listen to people, but also have a sense what the Holy Spirit's saying too, right? Like, what are we, God? What am I to do here in this situation or with this family and and that kind of thing? And and so, um, yeah, just, just in this church alone, are there folks connected to the hospital in the sense of nurses or, or uh, other people in healthcare or anything like that? Sort of thing, I always want to make sure to sort of bless those people. As um, I think about it as like a, like a mission field in the sense of we're called to share Jesus wherever we go, right? And so... Um, I'll share a little bit about about kind of like a typical day at the hospital, and then we'll get into Mary of Bethany eventually too. That's what I just feel my heart's been stirred for lately, is I want to respond to Jesus like Mary did. In the midst of busyness, in the midst of crisis at, at times, I just love her devotion to Jesus. And so especially that one song that was sung, it's extravagant. Her extravagant devotion, because we first see her in the Mary Martha story, and then we'll see her when her brother dies and her response to Jesus in, in crisis. And her, she remains unoffended with who Jesus is and the way he goes about things. And then the closing picture is she's now taking kind of a year's wages worth of perfume and she's just putting it on Jesus. So we just see this beautiful picture of Mary. Every time we see her, she's always at Jesus' feet. And sometimes in contrast to her sister, Martha, which is, it's so, Martha is like to be human, right? We all have a Martha complex, and I think we want to learn how to serve like Martha, but in the spirit of Mary kind of thing is where I want to want to go with that. So that's sort of what, what this morning kind of have, have pictured sort of thing. But the way it, the way it works at, at Boundary Trails, there's almost 100 beds there, and so often the hospital is full, and then there's people coming for... You know different clinic clinic appointments or a lot of knee and hip replacement people. I meet people from Western Manitoba coming for that at times, right so it feels like it 's a busy it 's a busy place and it 's doing a lot more than it was ever designed to do like it it showed up in two thousand and one I think it opened its doors and it was built for three hundred babies to be born a year max and now they do about a thousand. They do about what Brandon does, and so you kind of see the pinch in some of these some of these places, and I think people are doing a really good job um, when they feel overextended in that kind of a thing, right? But as far as, as, far as the position that I'm, you know, privileged to have here, this is, all, this is all churches and individuals that give to this. And that's the thing, when I was still in Saskatoon and got this phone call and it sounded like this is kind of over the top, I don't know if I can do that, I said, okay, where does the funding come from? And I was just just amazed that it comes from the community and from the church. Like, what an awesome awesome privilege, you know, to sort of serve on that, on behalf of that, and so, you know, I meet people all the time, especially if they're used to the city-only context, and as we're talking, they'll be like, oh, you're like a Christian chaplain, and I'm like, yeah, Jesus, like, he's incredible, you know, kind of thing, and so, so it's just such a privilege to respond in that way, and the way it works, it's, it's supposed to be when someone's admitted at boundary, you're supposed to be asked, would you like pastoral care, or can we Notify your church, kind of thing. So each day there'd be three, four, five people that would be new, and um, they would sort of say, "Yes, I would like someone to come, you know, talk with me, pray with me." And sometimes I get their church information, and then I can send that out to the churches, like lickety split. If it, you know, if I if I have that, and, and it's really neat because in today's um, like privacy reality, it's the only way anywhere where information goes out of the building, and we can say. Um, you know, Bill Peters, 72 years old, room 46. I can send that off to his church, and he can pass that off to his deacons and that and that kind of thing. So it's just such a privilege. On my spreadsheet, I have a list of about 115 churches. So Killarney, sometimes we sort of have a Killarney connection too, right? But mostly that's about as far west as Crystal City, as far east as Emerson towards Morris and stuff like that, right? Morris, Carmen, Elm, Elm Creek. So that's sort of each day there's always something... There's always, in every person that's there, there's something going on, right? And sometimes I sit down with people, and it's very little about their health issue or crisis. It's more about, like, here's what's going on in my life, and I'm not able to forgive my sister-in-law. Sometimes you just get this straightforward, like if you're sitting down with a believer. It's just, it's a beautiful thing, right? And then I'll also have people that are like, oh, I'm I'm not religious or anything like that, or... I couldn't possibly believe, you know, what these kind of things or are the, are the claims the Bible makes and stuff. And so people would fall under the, like, not believing or, like, atheist or whatever category. And so I'll say, hey, you know what, I'm happy just, just to listen to you. And sometimes we'll just get talking. And there's something about listening, right? And you think of from God's perspective, he knows how to do that so well. And I think we sometimes think communication is only in the talking, but listening can open things up. So sometimes I'll have someone that's kind of like, I wasn't planning to talk to you, but since I've been in here now for like 10 days, this is going on in my life, and I just, I don't know who to talk to about it, right? So it's really, it's just, uh, it's just awesome the way God works, because my favorite people tend to be those who on that form write like no in big letters, because they're either hurt by something or disappointed in God or whatever experience they've had, right? And I just go, oh God, I got a no today, I get excited about this, no, right? Because I want to meet with believers for sure, but especially, like, who's the Apostle Paul here in the waiting Lord? Like, who has a heart that is so bent on going the opposite direction? And we want to see that, want to see that turning. So that's kind of, I think, a really, really special part of things, right? Um, And and then there's crisis moments, and there's, you know, a code paged, and things change, you know, in split seconds, and you find yourself with family rushing in, sometimes in car accidents and those kind of things, or a sudden death at home. And, and just in the midst of that, it's like, Lord, help me just to, just to respond and help me to pick up on what you're saying and, and all these kind of things, right? And sometimes police are involved, and there's just so many layers at once, as a hospital is a, kind of a catch-all in crisis, right? In all, all, all kinds of things. Um, yeah, and, and at times there's these moments where when I'm with somebody, I'm just sensing from the Lord, okay, just listen this time. It's actually somebody else. So I've appointed somebody else to share the, the good news with them, like maybe a staff member. And I'm just like, oh, like I feel sort of the brakes put on. And then there's other times where it's like, you know, there's, it's just I've got to go for it with this person. This is the second time they've been in on an overdose or something like that in the last two months, and it's just straight up. You know, eternity is staring you in the face, and that starts now. And so we want, to, we want to know the man that we will stand before and give an account of. Because if we know him and if we're fully surrendered, <clears throat> when we look into his eyes, Jesus, the man, the God-man, Jesus, we want absolutely nothing in between him and us, right? So sometimes it's just like, wow, just putting it straight on the line with people. And it's just a privilege to be able to, to do those things, right? So that's kind of, a, kind of a snapshot or a picture of the kind of things that are, that are happening. I'm always amazed by staff that, that put it out there or risk their faith or I'll, I'll meet a patient for the first time and they're just like, I can't believe how this nurse offered to pray for me when I came in. I've never had that before sort of thing, right? So I'm just amazed at all the, all the different ways that God's moving in that place as people are coming in. Um, you know, with something that is that is ailing them as babies are born, as people are 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 dying, and it's like, in that place, so much is happening. And, and, and the thing is, everybody goes to the hospital, right, at some point, um, you know, whether for, they're maybe going to be grandparents for the first time, and they're going to go see their kid's child, right, or their children, and so you have these special moments, and then there's the other moments where they really don't want to be there, but they have to be there, and so... I'm just amazed at what a strategic place for God's kingdom and for his church to be built and established, right? Um, we do, um, I do devotions on Thursday mornings and, and, and worship, and uh, the churches do the Sunday mornings for the most part, which is really neat to have the community keep coming in. But I always want to invite people, um, especially some of our older people too, when we do devotions together, just to share what's going on and to, and to pray for each other. Because we want to, we want people to just experience, as as Danny mentioned before, or was about to pray, like where two or three are gathered, Jesus is in our midst, right? So this is this is one way the church is meeting right now in this building, right? Of like three hundred people, the church is meeting here, kind of thing, and so, so all those sorts of things, things are happening, I guess, on a on a daily basis. A question I get all the time is like, you know, are you allowed to go and? And kind of, like, do you have freedom? And I would say, yeah. Like, I have freedom in the building. I also respect when someone is like, they've been asked, do you want a pastoral visit? And they get a no, right? But like I said, those are the ones that I pray for and watch for an opportunity. And sometimes it drops right into my lap. Sometimes I'm not wanting it or, like, I'm not desiring it if the day is already full, right? But often I will get that point of connection even where there is uh, no faith or there's kind of resistance to it. So, So God's just amazing and you know in the midst of in the midst of everything this was um i've been there for almost three years now but i remember a few days into being at the hospital um we have that chapel space maybe some of you have seen it there i don't know maybe your local hospital has that here too a bit of a space chapel type thing but i felt the lord maybe on my like third day be like can you now put me at the top of your list like and be before me like a mary when there's a ton of stuff to do. And my, you know, the shock of like, but like, God, have you seen the list today? <laughs> there's like 35 people that, you know, that, that I'm hoping to get to this week kind of thing, right, or whatever. And it's just like, oh, okay, I get it. Because as I respond to your heart, you orchestrate everything in a way that is so much, it so much transcends the way I can sort of make things happen with people. Right. And so there's always these, these opportunities where it's like so often when I feel like the busiest, God's like, just come and be with me right now. So that, so that if you minister to me, I'll minister to the people kind of thing. Right. And, uh, I'm just amazed at how he can do that. I mean, in the beginning I was so afraid, like, God, what if I'm caught spending like 20 minutes with you? Or like, what if you ask me to be here for like an hour? in your presence like there's lots going on right and uh so he's just so good and it's amazing what he's doing when that's happening and i want to get to the point when when god does that that i don't have to kind of do the mental gymnastics of like god really now you know that kind of thing i just want to zone in hear what you're saying and then go respond to you kind of thing right like a mary um and I'll tell you, tell you folks something really interesting too. In fall, around September, I just kind of had the sense that 2019 would look a little bit differently. Uh, I wasn't, ex- I couldn't exactly put my finger on it, but um, we went to go visit my my, my in-laws in Alberta um, for the first first week in January, and that was a good time. I think Danny and Leanne, you were there during that time too. Interestingly enough, um, but anyways, I got back, and as crazy as the sound sounds, the the car that I drive. Um, every once in a while it won't start, like half a year will go by, and then never when I'm leaving for work or leaving from the hospital, it's it's when I'm in a public place, like Superstore or something, and I feel like I'm done and I want to go. And only this past July did I clue into the fact that, oh, okay, like I'm supposed to watch for what you're doing here now, like at Little Caesars, and I'm supposed to like share Jesus with people, okay, you know, sort of thing, right? So this happened... Kind of in a more profound way this past July, my car for the most part has been starting whenever I needed to. We call it the Faith Mobile. My wife doesn't like to drive it, but I drive it. <laughs> so anyways, we get back from Alberta. I go through that first you know, week of work, and that Thursday, I was going to, Ali had ordered groceries in the click and collect where you can do it online and you just pick them up, you know? And I get the groceries. Car won't start. I'm just like, okay, right. I'm like, God, just give me your eyes to see what's happening right now. And so here I am outside of Superstore, and it's like I'm not feeling anything specific other than I just need to to watch and to wait. Kind of like I do at work, but maybe the thing I turn off when the end of the day is over, because I'm okay to not be stretched anymore, right? Like I just want to go home and just like, you know, play with the kids or something like that, right? But anyways... So I'm looking around and there's kind of a couple that stands out to me and so I'm talking talking with him, I strike up conversation and I just want to share Jesus, right? And the fellow's like, "Oh, that's religion's not really my thing," you know, kind of kind of thing. And I'm just like, "Well, you know, he's just incredible. Jesus isn't he he's he's so different than we think when we think religion and all this kind of stuff." And so I'm sort of making the pitch for Jesus and offering if this guy would like prayer for anything. And I'm just amazed at two things like God, I'm not getting anything specific here. Like, where do I go in this conversation? And yet this guy is totally, like, tracking with me. Like, he said up front, he's not interested, kept talking, but he's just tracking. He's not trying to—I mean, if I was him, not believing yet, I'd probably be like, I just want to get out of this right now, this, like, Bible, you know, freak or whatever kind of thing. But the guy's totally tracking with me, and I asked if I can pray for him at the end. He's open to that. I'm like, okay, God— I guess that's complete at Superstore. And then I go back to my car thinking it will start, still won't. I'm just like, oh, man. So I go back in again. I look for another couple and uh, spend some time with them, pray for their baby, had like an earache and that kind of a thing. And then thinking, okay, this is like, this is too much now, God, like twice in a row, I don't want, like I'm tired kind of thing. My car starts fine, but I still had to go to and Tire to return something or buy something. And, you know, as I'm driving there with the car, I'm like, I could keep the car running. There was like this God, God spark or like this desire to just see God, I want to see what you're going to do here. I could keep it running, but I don't want to give you the easy way out if you're really just wanting me to hone in on what's happening here, right? And so I turn the car off, and while I'm in the store, I recognize a fellow that I have not seen since high school, so like 15 plus years ago, pretty rough fellow then, and it still seems kind of that way. And, uh, you know, I'm just hearing him, you know, some of his conversation and that he was just glad to quit this job and it was brutal on his body, you know, at a factory, that kind of thing. And so I hear that, I see that, I'm not really feeling anything either way, but anyways, I go to the car and it's, it won't start again, but it just started fine before and I'm just like, ah, oh, it's that guy, isn't it, God, right? And so I go and approach him as he's about to get in his truck and like, I can't believe I'm doing this for the third time in a row. And I offered, like, if he would, like, prayer for anything. And it's kind of like, no, I'm totally fine. And the window's, like, rolling up. And I'm just like, Jesus loves you, you know? And I'm, I'm just like, God, this is so not, um, like, the, kind of like the documentaries we watch of, like, power evangelism. You know, this is, like, it's just, it's just happening, right? But as I drove home, I just sensed the Lord's delight in this kind of extracurricular obedience. And, and kind of the sense is, if you respond to me when you wouldn't expect to it, then I, I can um, give you more authority in the place of work and, and in your family and stuff like that, right? And so, so I share that because it's really increased. I've had so many lunch hours. I just, I'm usually not the type that's like I'm going to go drive away from work and go get a coffee or something and have a moment somewhere, right? But I, I feel like God's just kind of leading me to go get a coffee and, and just see what happens, right? And so sometimes in Tim Hortons or McDonald's, um, I see somebody, it's like I could minister to them, and sometimes I do, other times I go, and then the car won't start, so I go back in, minister to them, car starts, and I leave. And it's just this crazy thing that's, that's happening, and, and during the day, like when I get there at work, I'm like, okay, God, there's lots to do here, and then there's lunch, isn't there, right? And, um, and so this, this past week, I even felt, kind of God was highlighting a hardware store, and so I went in, and it's like, what am I going to do in there, right? And so people are like, hey, what can we do for you at like the service counter? And I'm just like, I, I kind of feel I'm here to pray for anybody. Does anyone here want prayer, right? And people kind of look around, and one guy is like, well, I do. And I knew who this guy was a little bit, so I pray, pray for him, kind of something generic. I leave, um, and then at work later, he emails me that day, and he's like, this is crazy. He said, that morning, I was crying out to God about this issue at work, Right? So he's like, by you coming, I feel the Lord is like, I've heard you. I've heard you, right? So so I just feel like I'm really being stretched in a new way in as much as the hospital still is stretched. There's so many so many times, and I think we, we all have work and we all have these situations where we go, this is uncomfortable, right? Or sometimes family dynamics. We wouldn't choose for things to to be the way they are, right? Or if there's a crisis going on and you have some within a family are believers and some aren't and so the believing ones want me to pray and I'm happy to do that and the other ones are like, this is too much. Like, I left the church a long time ago. I don't want to be reminded, you know? So it's these these, these places where, okay, I just want to be at your feet right now. I just want to be like Mary in the midst of whatever's going on just to, just to connect with you, God. So, so I just share that as an encouragement of, when we share our faith, is there ever a, a bad time to do it? No. At least probably not, right? Jesus always wants people to hear. But when God's highlighting something and it doesn't go away, my encouragement is just to, just to respond to it. Whether that's a neighbor or a family member or there's a certain person that still, when you think about them, something gets triggered deep inside and you replay things over and over and God's going, that, give that to me, right? And so... That would be kind of the general general encouragement this morning as we as we dive into to Mary of Bethany here. So I would invite you to turn to turn to Luke 10. Um, I'm glad already that we've had these, we've had two out of the three passages read. And in your in your bulletin here, I guess at the bottom left here, you have have the title of the message, and so it's just At the Feet of Jesus. So in the Luke 10 encounter we're about to read, it's a picture of Mary. Feeding on the Word, and uh, as we go to to the second passage in John, it will be remaining unoffended in crisis and and the last passage um, that that Vern read is um, where we look at just kind of wasting our life on Jesus, right taking the most most valuable thing so i just we just want to see how Mary responds and and again, to be, it's normal to want to get things done. We don't want to take that away, right? But I think what Jesus is putting his finger on here is the spirit in which we operate. Um, and I just think he's so tender with Martha. And, and it's like serving is good, right? We just want to, it's how we serve. So, so here we go, Luke 10, 38 to, to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be Taken from her. So, if we think of the cultural customs for that time, I mean, for Mary as a woman to not be involved in food preparation would be kind of a stretch already. You know, she she definitely would know that it's uh, it's maybe costing her social equity or whatever to to sort of be avoiding that, right? Um, and yet here she is. Um, I've heard others say similar to. To the church in Ephesus, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is saying to that church, you have labored and worked hard for me, but this is the one thing that I, I hold against you. You've forgotten your first love, right? And so we don't want to ever work so much for Jesus that we're bypassing him in the process, right? And so, so practically, what does this look like? Well, it's the kind of thing where when we have church potlucks, and we're, like, working in the kitchen, and then we're, like, cleaning up chairs that when we go, oh, uh, Sheila Clausen, or, like, I'm just making up names here, okay? If they actually fit, just discard it, okay? <laughs> you know, Sheila's talking still. Like, this is, like, last potluck she didn't help, her, you know, with, with the cleanup or anything like that, right? And so how do we, in that moment, just bless her for that ministry and use that trigger as a way to go, okay, God... Deal with that in me, that this is an issue, right? And I think that's just kind of on a small on a small scale sort of thing. But I, I just love this. I love this picture. And I, I can, can't we just see ourselves in Martha? Like, I see myself in Martha so easily in how, I, in how I go through life, how I proceed. And then I just see Jesus with his big grin on his face in the sense of, if you've heard me, then take a risk and, and respond to me. Um, my cousin that I was with yesterday, he shared a story years ago. They, um, they do a lot of alfalfa, and they were kind of wondering, him and his dad and his brother, like, should we go, go for our second cut? And he was kind of, that night, he was restless. He's like, I feel like we need to wait. And he says, like, God, like, make it obvious, because everyone else wants to get farming. And so he's like, could you, like, make a wheel fall off a tractor to confirm what I'm feeling? And literally, that happened the next day. It's just crazy. So for him, it was this like moment of, yikes, God. You actually, like when does a wheel fall off? Like maybe you have tire issues, right? But the whole thing falls off. And, um, and so he's like, you know what, guys? I, I kind of, this is what I asked God to show us for. And then it started raining like crazy after that. And it's so good they didn't start cutting because they had other stuff to do, right? So it's in the midst of all the things that have to go on. We want to serve like Martha in the spirit of Mary, so there you go, that's our first introduction to Mary, and now we're going to jump from Luke here to John 11, um, a year later, basically, in the timeline of the Gospels. Um, yeah, and I'm not, I mean, it's one of those things, we're kind of going through these passages relatively quickly, right? Um, but I would just invite you to soak in, soak in these passages this week and just ask the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to reveal to you nuggets of... Of truth here uh, in the scriptures, right? So what I love about this passage is Mary and Martha basically say the same thing to Jesus in crisis, but it's Mary moves Jesus's heart because she's in worship in her posture um, and how he responds to all this. So I'll read um, uh, chapter 11 here, verses 1 to the end of that sort of the end of that scene. So verses 43, Okay. So it says this, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. I like, John's making that really obvious, so we'll see that soon. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Okay, there's lots of other stuff going on in the story that would be neat to unpack, but we'll just keep going through here. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So just kind of notice here, notice how with Jesus he's always kind of moving Martha to want to come to a, a place that's deeper than just kind of the head knowledge of who he is, right? It says, after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, Home comforted her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said the same thing her sister said Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Almost done this little episode here. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Okay, again, that Jesus Martha interaction. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away a stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen. And cloth around his face so kind of the end of that encounter and so I highlight that in some of the some of the best teaching I've heard on this is you kind of have Martha going through the motions of acknowledging who Jesus is she you know she's got the theology here you are the son of God but it's Mary at his feet and so she moves Jesus's heart in this because she has been at his feet and she's living in that kind of a of a of a posture right and so, in crisis, she's unoffended, in the sense of she makes that declaration, but it's in it's in weeping and 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 you know that just a heart stirred. It's raw. It's it's real, that kind of a thing. And um, you know, just for the just for the sake of time here, we had Vern read uh, chapter twelve, right? And so then we have Mary once again is at the feet of Jesus in this scene where she takes a year's wages, you know, worth of the expensive oil. In chapter 12 here and she anoints his feet and again Martha's serving right so it's almost like we're replaying this whole dynamic again but now Mary's doing the unthinkable she's taking her security her financial security and putting it on the feet right and so at least in the other gospel accounts there's all you know the disciples together oh what a waste what a waste right and Jesus is like no Mary's the only one that has prophetic insight into what's happening my burial's coming, right? And she's done this beautiful thing. And, um, and he goes on to say, again, in the other accounts, that wherever the gospel is preached around the world, this story will be told, right? So we, just, we see Mary feeding on the word from the beginning, our first encounter, even though it costed her, her probably her social credit in some ways. We see her unoffended in crisis, tracking with Jesus and then on the last account, we just see the extravagance spent on him. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, in a, in a nutshell, what we're, where I want to live, where I think Jesus is always inviting us to be, to respond to his heart, even if at times it really doesn't make sense in the timing of it. But I, but I, I, I always think that he wants to accomplish much more than, than our sense of what we want to accomplish and our to-do list, right? And so my sense from him at the hospitals all the time is if you minister to me, if you press into me, then I can minister to the people and I can open the doors for you that otherwise wouldn't open. And so I, I encourage you in your, wherever you are plugged in, whether for some, I guess the a lot of the mom crowd is not here today, but I was going to say for the moms at home, you know, um, that you would respond to him like that when it feels like so needy and so you know the kids like it can be so intense, right? And and just to respond to him in that context and to a lot of the you know to those going to work each day to respond to him like that. He's a because we serve a living God. He's always ready to speak, and we just wanna just wanna respond to him, and we want to see what God has you know, his purpose is for, for Killarney, right? I mean, the thing that kind of gets me most excited in the morning when I drive to the hospital and I'm surrendering my fears and surrendering, you know, all these kinds of things. It's like, Lord, I just dream of the day when the church is just moving in holiness and power and unity and revival comes and sweeps through, right? Because we've humbled ourselves before you. And I think the place where a lot of that starts is just soaking in him, soaking in God. Um, I'll share one more little thing here. Sorry, I see the clock on the wall. It's super short. Uh, back in May, I was at the Morden ministerial meeting. I meet with the pastors there once a month, you know, for about an hour. I also do the Winkler one. I have the benefit of seeing both the Winkler world and the Morden world. But as we're about to pray and just sort of be like God, we really need you to move in our schools, our families. I get this picture of in the. I'm in my office in the hospital. I pick up the phone. And I actually use the intercom system, which in real life I've only done like once or twice. And I just say, attention, patients, visitors, staff, and physicians, there will be prayer ministry happening in the chapel for the next hour and a half. So if you want prayer for anything, come on by, right? I just sort of like, whoa, I knew that was God. But man, that, that kind of scared me. I'm just like, oh God, like, couldn't I get in trouble? Like, how does that even work? Like, those pages are like, sacred airspace, right? Like, I shouldn't be... Anyways, but I just felt like from the Lord, like, that's coming. You need to get ready for that. And so in my worship time with him, it's like, okay, I want to be ready to page that thing. And then come fall, I had another pastor who had that morning slot open because I kind of wanted to have like a prayer team, right? Another volunteer. And I just knew it was time to go. This is this past October. And the first time I I grabbed the phone and paged it, my heart's just like pounding so much, right? Because I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen now, right? I end up paging it, and we have like four or five people that just come, like from all over the building, and I'm just, I'm just amazed that God could pull that off. And so this happens every Tuesday, and I've never gotten in trouble for it. I've never had anyone be like, I'm offended to hear you as a Christian person inviting people to come to pray because you're going to pray to Jesus specifically, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it's just amazing who God sends um, from whatever part of the building. And I feel like that's his way of saying, because you've soaked in me, I'm pulling something off that you could not have done had you not, right? Had you, had you missed it kind of thing, right? So I just, I just put that out there, too, as just a picture of I'm just amazed what, what God's able to do sort of thing. So, I, yeah, so that would be kind of, I guess, it for today. Um, I noticed in the back there, there was a paramedic fellow. Does he belong to this congregation there? Married to Yeah, what's his name? Adam. That's your husband? Okay, and what's your name? Lydia? Lavinia. Oh, very neat. Um, As we pray here, let's just pray for Adam and whatever he's doing. Jesus, thank you that you are building your church. And uh, we anticipate the day, Lord, um, because by your grace, we want to humble ourselves and we want to... Oh, man, we want to feed on the Word, God. We want to pour out... The, the thing God that we cherish so much, we want to just say it's yours, the family inheritance, Lord, it's yours. We want to be unoffended with you in the way you do things and your and your timeline, Jesus. And um, I just thank you for Adam right now, and I ask Holy Spirit that you would just meet with him powerfully, and that he would know exactly what to do and exactly what to say, and uh, you would just give him joy in the moment right now, God. We just bless him as a brother. And I just thank you that uh, he has the full armor of God. And um, yeah, God, I, I pray that Adam would encounter an entirely new um, season and a renewed season where any trauma that he experiences absolutely leaves as soon as he's done work and he comes home so that he sleeps and eats and has family time in the way you desire. So we just bless our brother and uh, thank you for Clarny, God, and the, and the church at large here and this church family. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.